Thank you so much. Thank you for inviting me today. My name is Nathaniel, and I come from Trinity Presbyterian Church. I follow your worship rules online, and I remember that when Pastor Daniel reads the words of the law, you stood. So please let us remain standing as I read the words of the law. From 1 John 2, verses 12 through 14, it says, I am writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I am writing you, fathers, because you have known him, because you know him who is from the beginning. I am writing you to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Let us pray. Our Lord, you said life is not by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Lord, we come today humbly kneeling, praying to hear your words. So may the meditation of mine, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable unto you. Amen. Please be seated. You may notice the little accent in Maine. I originally come from Africa, from a small country called Liberia. So please bear with me, but I think you will understand me. One of my professors argued that the most important question a person can ever ask him or herself is who am I? The conditions of our recent past compels us to ask who am I or who are we or who am I as a Christian and where must I look to answer such an important question. I am most thankful today to to Christ our hope for providing me this opportunity to share my long-kept meditation at the height of COVID. You must have had your own meditations. I was frightened by news of loved ones being separated from dying family members. Family members prevented from burying their loved ones. Husbands could not bury their wives. Wives could not bury their husbands. Grandparents could not see their grandchildren. Even most shocking to me was the closing of churches. 
I found this to be the most uh, the most suffocating because we are created to worship the Lord our God. And so when worship is hindered, why else could have gone wrong? That was when this text that we read today had the most profound impact on me. I thought to myself, the conditions under which we are in COVID are so deplorable that people could face so many temptations and engage desperate measures. A parallel passage, or a passage, by the way, that helped clear, that made me to really understand what we're going to discuss today is Matthew 15, starting from verse 5 through 20. It says, And he, our Lord, called to him the people, and I said, Hear and understand, it is not what that goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth, that's what defiles a person. Then the disciple came to him and said to him, do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? He answered, Every plant my heavenly Father has not planted will be rooted out. Let them alone. They are blind guys. And if the blind leads the blind, both will fall into the pit. But Peter said to him, Explain the parable to us. And he said, Are you also still without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled? But what comes from the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For out of the heart comes evil thought, murder, adultery, Sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defiles a person. But to eat with unclean hands does not defile anyone. By far, the best exposition I heard about this passage is by Dr. Ron Harris. In his lecture on biblical counseling, Dr. Harris uses a sponge illustration to show the significance of the external versus the eternal. He says a sponge lays on a table, and no one knows what is in a sponge. But when the sponge is squeezed, Foam comes gouging out of it. Then he asks, what is the important question? Is it that the sponge was squeezed, or is it that foam came out of it? I thought I immediately knew the answer. I said, piece of cake. It must be that the sponge was squeezed, for if this, if the sponge was not squeezed, the foam would not have come out. If I no one would have known what was in the sponge. 
I was wrong. I had no biblical support. According to the passage I just read, our Lord says it is not what goes into the mouth that defiles us, but what comes out of the mouth is what defiles us. This is important to Christians if the word of, the, of God abides in us. In other words, we are not defiled by trials and tribulations. We suffer sickness and death, separation from loved ones, job losses, church closures. But these do not defile us. By this passage, so, the law is comforting us that external conditions do not defile. To our passage today, and I will take them one at a time. By one at a time, I mean the verses. Let's start with verse 12. John says, I am writing you, little children. By little children, John means all ages. As a spiritual father, John calls all, old or young, his children. Children is John's way of expressing love and endearment. Dr. J. Vernon McGee says this epistle has been called the sanctum sanctorium of the New Testament. It takes the child of God across the thresholds into the fellowship of the Father's home. It is the family's epistle. John is writing here to the family of God. Many years ago, my former pastor, Mel Sensenin addressed our whole congregation as little children. We knew that he was not addressing only the children in the congregation. And I see the idea here, or where he got that idea. Verse 12, John says, I am writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake, this verse must be interpreted in light of the first two verses of this whole chapter. First John uh, chapter 2 verses 1 through 2 says, and John Cousin said, My little children, I am writing to you that you may not sin, but if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but it's for the sins of the whole world. These two verses tell us John's purpose for writing this epistle. His first purpose is that those who he called children do not sin. The mercy hit sin, resist it, kill it. His second purpose is that if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ. This is because John knows that we are not yet perfect and we are not sinless beings. In fight, Psalm 32 
verses 1 through 2 will say, Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is all covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, who and in, who there, in, in whose spirit there is no deceit. Verse 13, it reads, I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, young man, because you have overcome the evil one. I am writing to you, children, because you know the father. Here, John addresses three groups of people. Father, young men, and children. About these three groups, John Calvin writes, they all, for the most part, excuse themselves because they have exceeded the age of learning. The children, they refuse to learn because they have not grown yet enough. And men of middle age do not attend because they are occupied with other pursuits. So lest them not be think that they are exempt from the gospel, John applies the gospel to all. Let's take the first group. John first addresses the father. He said, I am writing you, Father, because you know him who is from the beginning. Now if I may ask, who is from the beginning? It is Christ who is from the beginning. Because we learned that in John 1, verses 1 through 2, reads, In the beginning, the world was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Second group, John addresses young men. He said, I'm writing to you, young man, because you have overcome the evil one. And verse 14 will give us the reason why the young men overcome the evil one. But the young man does not just restrict to only restrict it to young, young men. It also restrict, it also includes all of us. Then third, John addresses children. He said, I write to you, children, because you know the Father. Now, what is it so important to know the Father? To know the Father is the very definition of eternal life. For Jesus said to the Father, you have given me the authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given me. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. This is from John 17, 2, uh, 2, 3, 2. Now verse 14. It is important to note that verse 14 shares a lot of words in common with verse 13. For example, verse 13 begins, I am writing you, fathers, 
because you know him who is from the beginning. In the same way, verse 14 begins, I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I am writing you, young man, because you have overcome the evil one. Continuing with verse 14, John said, I write you, young man, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Almost identical words. However, verse 14 states the reason why believers have overcome the evil one, the devil. And this is the reason. The word of God abides in believers. As John said, I am writing you, young man, because you have overcome the evil one. Who has overcome the evil one, if we may ask? It is Christ. It is you, the believer. It is you in Christ who have overcome the evil one. This is how Romans 8 37 puts it, we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. This is important and we cannot miss it. We are mere humans. As Calvin puts it, there is nothing in us but what is frail and fitting except the power of Christ dwells in us. We are all like orphans until we attain the grace, the grace of adoption by the gospel. In other words, only the word of God that abides in all has empowered us to overcome this supernatural being called the devil. My next attempt then will be to explore how the Lord used the word when he was tempted. My purpose is to show that we are called to imitate our Lord. What came out of our Lord when the devil tempted him was the word. Let us learn that if we are to imitate Christ, we must live on his words. For this let us go through John 4, beginning with verse 3, or Matthew 4, excuse me. There we learn, and the tempter called him and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command the stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Deuteronomy 8.3 Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the holy city and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their wings they will bear you, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And the devil is quoting here Psalm 91. Jesus said to him, again, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. 
Deuteronomy 6, 16. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and said, and their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Deuteronomy 6.13 We conclude Matthew saying Then the devil left him and behold angels came and were ministering to him and ministering to him. I was tempted recently. My aunt lost her son and at his burial three weeks ago, and at his burial, the worship service, there was there were a lot of nice things said about him. Taken by the outpouring of the tributes to her son, my aunt called to the praise and worship leader and said, raise a son and let us worship my son. the praise and worship leader, a young woman who I believe, like any biblical training of any kind, raised a son and all he attended followed her lead. My heart began to bury me. I couldn't stand it. I quickly walked over to, to one of my former church elders who traveled all the way from Tennessee to attend the funeral. And I said to him, you heard what my mom, uh, what my, my aunt just said, worship her son? And because of that, I am about to walk out of this, this funeral service. But he called me and said, give for the benefit of the doubt. And I went back to my seat. But I was, I was still troubled. So then I went to the preacher when he was just about to enter the pulpit. And I said, my aunt misspoke when she, said, when she called on the worship leader for us to worship her son. Please tell all in attendance that this is a mistaken statement. Only God is worshiped. The preacher, even being the son-in-law of my aunt, prefaced his sermon and said, my mother-in-law will never say such a thing. Only God is worship. And all in attendance responded with an enthusiastic amen. Hosea 4, 6 said, my people perish for the lack of knowledge. My people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee. That you shall be no priest to me, seeing that thou hast forgotten the Lord of your God. I will also reject your children. We are going through a difficult time, unusual, strange times. 
we are experiencing unimaginable situations. For many, it was the closure of churches. For others, it is the separation from dying family members due to COVID restrictions. For some, it is the rescheduling of their weddings or canceling altogether. For a father in my church, it was that his daughter would not attend her senior prom and ultimately the canceling of graduation ceremonies all across the country. Many parents suffered the same fate, but a good father used the word to pour out his heart before the Lord. He said, Lord, you have a plan for my daughter. And he was quoting Jeremiah 29, 11. We said, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for your welfare and not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. Here is another example from John Piper's sermon, Kill Sing with the Word of God. Piper tells of missionaries facing deposition from Tanzania. He said one of the missionary wives compared their situation to the disciples after the death of Jesus and before the resurrection. They were sitting quietly and numbly at someone's house and they didn't know about the resurrection that was to come. That is what this time feels like to us in many ways. Darkness and an unknown future. Out of the blue, uh, uh, continues this woman, out of the blue we are packing and leaving the country. Our home for the last seven years, the only home our children have known. But the missionary wife fought back. She said, we are clinging to the truth. God is good. He is in control. He loves us more than we can comprehend. He has plans to give us hope and future. Plans to prosper us. Still quoting, quoting Jeremiah 29. She continues, Our spirits are understandably low. We are emotionally drained and physically exhausted. But because, the Lord, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassion never fails. They are new every morning. Lamentations 3, 22 to 23. Brothers and sisters, here is the question. What is going to come out of us when we go through these difficult times? And not just these times, but in other times. What will we say or do when we experience the pressures of life, let us use the word that dwells in us. For when we 
For when we use the word, we are strong. We are strong because the word dwells in us. In John 7, 37 to 39, we learn on the day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood and called out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures have said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this is said about the spirit. When a home those who believe in him were to receive, for as yet the spirit had not been sent because Jesus was not yet glorified. But brothers and sisters, the Pentecost has come. The Lord our God has poured his spirit in us. And also in Matthew 7, we heard from our Lord, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a man, like a wise man who built his house on a rock. And the rain fell, and the flood came, and the wind blew and beat on the house, but it did not fall because it has been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the flood came, and the rain blew and beat against the house, and it fell, and great was the fault of it. Excuse me. As Christians, we should be very happy when we see our brothers and sisters come to church to be taught of God, to hear the word preached, for it is written, Faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Romans 10, 17. But even before that, it says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him whom they have not heard or never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Brothers and sisters, let us constantly pray for ourselves and our fellow believers and even newcomers to come into the church and stayed into the church. For here is where the Lord sent preachers to teach the word of God. As Christians, we are strong 
However, we have we are not without our weaknesses. We have weaknesses. Even more importantly, we do not just acknowledge our weaknesses, but we boast in our weaknesses. We imitate the Apostle Paul. For in 2 Corinthians 12, 5 and following, he writes, On my own behalf, I will not boast, except of my weaknesses. Though if I should wish to boast, I would not be a fool, for I will be speaking the truth. But I refrain from it, so that no one may think more of man than he sees in man or hears from man. For so to keep man from becoming considered, a tongue was given to me in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass man, to keep me from becoming considered. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that he should leave, that it should leave me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecution, calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. It is important that we, that we boast of our weakness. Not only because our weaknesses are real, but so that we will resist the wires of prosperity gospel. The temptation of the prosperity gospel is life is by bread alone. And all other things are not the gospel. Prosperity gospel will have us duped. Yes, half us deceive that everything must go well with us if we are Christians. When trials and tribulations come our way, prosperity gospel who deceive us that it is not God's ways or doing. Yes, it is written, he does not afflict us from his heart or grieve the children of men. Lamentation 3.33. But it is also written, it is a fearful thing to fall in the hands of the living God. Hebrews 10.31. It is written, the Lord disciplines the ones he receives. He chastises every son he receives. Hebrews 12.6. Therefore, let us not be led to believe that we are too strong to experience suffering. Remember the rich young ruler, Matthew 19. Remember the parable of the rich fool, Luke 12. Remember the blind, the man born blind from birth, assuming that the man's 
assuming that the man's blindness was due to sin, the Lord's disciple asking, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents? That he was born blind. Our Lord answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. Luke 9, 1-3. Therefore, there are weaknesses in the world, weaknesses introduced by the fall, and Christians are not exempt from these weaknesses. Prosperity gospel does us a poor job. Yes, does us harm when it promises Christians a life of bread and butter. Let us not let us be watchful of the wild of this of the wires of this different gospel. The true gospel is when we are weak, then we are strong. Even Hebrew says it. We rejoice in the plundering of our property. Hebrews 10. Even in the face of death, Paul who say, to die from this body is to be with Christ. So let us end with this beautiful, with this beautiful illustration from the book of Isaiah 8. Isaiah 8 is a prophecy that warns of the Assyrian conquest of Damascus and Israel. The invasion will be quick and successful. So beginning from verse 5, Isaiah says this. The Lord spoke to me again. Because these people have refused the waters of Shiloh that flows gently and rejoice over Rezan and the son of Remaliah. Therefore, before, behold, the law is breaking up against them the waters of the river, mighty and many, the king of Assyria and all his glory. And it will rise over all its channels and go over all its banks. And it will sweep on into Judah. It will overflow and pass on, reaching even to the neck. And its outspread wings will fill the breath of your land. Old Emmanuel. But then this is the twist. Be broken, you people, and be shattered. Give ear, all you from far countries. Strap on your armor and be shattered. Strap on your armor and be shattered. Take counsel against, uh, take counsel together, but it will come to nothing. Speak the word. But it will not stand, for God is with us. Brothers and sisters, God is with us. Therefore, in spite of our weaknesses, victory belongs to us because of Emmanuel. 
God is with us. This is our distinct identity. We must know that. We must know that we are strong because of the word of God that abides in us. We have overcome the evil one because of the word that abides in us. It is important that we do not lose sight of the word that dwells in us in times of trials and tribulation. We must remember that we are strong because the word that abides in us. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we are strong. We are strong against COVID. We are strong against all forms of external ills. We are built on the words of Christ. He fights for us, even the fight for eternal life. We must cling to the words of the Lord our God. We must resist sin. We must resist being defiled. Our overall battle has already been won. Our overall battle is against the devil. And Christ has already defeated him for us. So let us cling to the words of God. What really is a sick year is our eternal life. Therefore, if we believe and the word dwells in us, then we are strong. Let us pray. Let what you heard from the beginning abides in you, says John. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he has made to us, eternal life. O Lord, we pray that your words abide in us, that we too may abide in the Son and in the Father. In your holy name we pray. Amen.